Welcome to another Vireal USA podcast. This is Alan. I'm joined by Siddharth from Northern Virginia. It's uh, late evening where you are, Sid. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Good. So, Vireal has... uh, We've had some good momentum, hopefully not um, affected too much by the international break. Um, You and I said going into the season, I think, that we wanted to see like our first 11 matches to figure out how we were doing. We're nine of those in with 18 points. And um, what's your reaction to the Unai Emery era so far? I mean, so far, so good. Uh, I don't think you can have any any different feelings about it. Um, you know, right now, and again, as, as you had noted, the sort of points per match is more relevant than the total points, given mm-hmm. that people have played uneven numbers. Um, but, you know, I think in any of these metrics, we'd sit in the top four. And, um, you know, I think we can be pretty happy with our play. I think we can feel pretty good that sort of our important players have played well. Mm-hmm. Um, so our strikers have played well. Our center back pairing has done well. Um, our creative midfield play has been pretty good. Um, so, and, and I think definitely, um, feel like Asenho having competition feeling like maybe he's being pushed a little bit. Um, you know, Andres, again, perfectly capable and good backup, but I don't think any of us ever got the feeling that he was really sort of looking to push him. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. bringing in somebody like Ruli was, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, I, I don't think Ruli comes here envisioning himself to be sort of the veteran backup just sitting and waiting. Right. Um, so, so I do feel like that, that may have, have pushed him as well. And I, and he's looked, he's looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and pretty, pretty confident generally. So I think, I think you'd have to be pretty pleased all around. And then, you know, there are, there are a few, few players who, uh, you know, I know you mentioned Pedraza on, on the, the last podcast as, as someone we've always known who has had the talent. Uh, and I think we talked about the fact that he resigned sort of before the season started, even though it was the last year of his deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, gave an indication that he at least felt confident uh, in the direction of how he was going to be used and the coaching. And, um, you know, with a young player like that who, you know, for for his age, has moved around a lot. Remember that he he went to England. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his stint at Betis, which was a complete waste of time. Um, and then, you know, he, if you recall, in one preseason past a few years ago, he was playing as a striker. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's also been moved up and down the field. Right, uh, I right. think being given a role, a position, some confidence, a new contract. I think all of those things uh, are, are important. 
and now you can see, I mean, <clears throat> with him and, um, you know, Estupinian, I think you, you feel very sort of comfortable about where, uh, where we are on, on that side of the field. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the other, um, player that I've, I mean, I've always been a big fan of his, um, uh, but he's, but he's been very good as Moy Gomez too. And he's, he's somebody else that just has really seemed to react, um, very well. He played well last year too, but I've, I've been really impressed he with did. how he's, he with did. how he's done. Um, yeah, the striker. Yeah, I think, I, I think the, the, the big move for him was that year with Wesco, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which, which sort of giving him a bit more prominent of a role on uh, a team that, you know, sort of expected to be in a relegation fight and therefore expected to need to rely on him um, to to be an important piece. Uh, I think, you know, just gave him some confidence that always, you know, playing behind Cazorla or uh, Samu Chukweze or whoever it may have been here, he mm-hmm. never would have gotten that role to kind of be the guy. Um and and I've always always been a huge fan of his and and frankly I think we have seen for development purposes and you can go back to Santi you can look at Powell um, I hope still sometime soon we're talking about Miguelone in the same way we have done well sending players sort of um, particularly to Segunda sides mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Or you know relegation level teams, you know, however you you may want to look at that, but but not kind of in moves like sending players to Valencia or sending them to Betis, um, right? Right. And and the development that we've seen, uh, I think, is 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 borne out with with a number of these guys who have made the most of those kinds of opportunities. Right. I mean, Powell is an extreme example where he, um, he played, I mean, he's just so talented. I think, I think playing at Malaga, it was, it was evident that he was really, um, ready for the big time. And, uh, he got a lot of, of good playing time, good coaching in that year that he's, that he spent down in the Segunda. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and another thing I think is just the rigors of a professional season, the length of the season, mm-hmm. particularly Segunda is uh, don't couldn't quantify it, but definitely has to be one of the longest leagues in the world because of forty two matches plus potentially playoffs. The fact that those were multi legged, I mean, it's almost a fifty match, you know, like close to ten month season. Right. I mean, right. that's a real grind when you go from, say, the you know, juvenile, you know, calendar where you're talking about sort of under thirty games in kind of six or seven months, and you have this very long stretch of time off. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. also I have to remember sort of lengthening them out. Uh, you know, as they talk about, say, in baseball, when they're building up starting pitchers, like these are also important things to learn about, you know, care for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the things that go into being a professional. And, right. and again, so that that's not a thing that playing 10 or 15 matches on the bench 
at Villarreal is going to get you. You right. really need to go out and sort of get that exposure and come back. Right. And, and more often than not, we seem to have found our players are better for it. Yes, I think I think that's I think that's true. Um, we've we've certainly had some that you know, as with any with any club, you'll have some that that don't um, you know seem like they're going to be good early and then sort of burn out. Um, I guess Adrian Marine would be an example of somebody who um, you know sent him on loan several places and just never really quite developed but you know that happens i mean you you have a lot of you have a lot of players coming through not all of them are going to are going to make it for the for the big time um i think one of the things that struck me about the the team so far is that especially when you look at some of the fact that we've and, had, and i was going to mention alan he is still only 23 he is yeah he is. so yeah yeah so and he is at Alaves, um, so mm-hmm. not, wouldn't be impossible, you know. That that's right. kind of around the age that I think uh, Moy had had gone out and come back. So mm-hmm. not impossible to see somebody like that, uh, you know, if he has a season where he recovers a bit, right. um, yeah. be yeah. back on the radar. Yeah, I think so far I've been really impressed with, especially considering the. Um, fact that we've we've had some injuries i mean gerard missed a few matches um uh danny parejo has um uh estepinion missed a couple you know we've we've and of course we've got um alberto moreno um sort of long term injured um so I think really our only bad game was the one against Barcelona <laughs> i think other than that we've played we've played pretty well um and yep and our only defeat so right right and i think the other in, you know in all in all competitions in all competitions and the draws have been i mean caddy's set up for a draw and got it we nearly got a goal from from paco near the end but not quite and i think the opening match against Huesca was sort of one of those you know you're you're you dominate on the scoreboard on the on the play but not quite enough to get that winning goal well that, that happens but I think overall the team has looked has looked good um I've been I'm I've been disappointed in in Samu I really uh, I mean we spent some time talking about him on the last podcast do you think it's time for him to move on do you think he needs a new challenge or or what with him I I don't know that the setup of the team is particularly built for him to really be kind of the standout guy. Um, it's, 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 it's just a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. you know, you know that the potential is there. Um, I, I don't, don't know well enough sort of where, where his head is if mm-hmm. he's sort of already thinking you know i've i've outgrown this scene a little bit I mean, again every time he seems to go back and play for nigeria he's pretty regularly in the 11 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know most of the guys he's going and playing there with guys like you know victor osimhen and things the those you know 
top level talents are playing at clubs bigger than Villarreal. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You imagine they go back and talk and he's got to say, you know, I could, I could be somewhere bigger and better. Yeah. But then I, I think more and more and, and particularly given the era we're in, um, these guys realize that just sort of change for the sake of change, you know, those kinds of transfer fees don't actually end up netting the players all mm-hmm. that much money most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, right. So if you're going into that situation and, you know, let's say Liverpool does buy him, well, odds are he's not playing there next year. Okay, right. so right. then he's going on loan. Maybe he's going to another premiership team. Maybe he's going to a championship promoting team. Like, do you really want to be <laughs> sort of uprooting your life to go play for Fulham? Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I then, know. you know, yeah. you look a year later and you're playing at Fulham and again, you're back in a second division where you're getting kicked all the time and you're playing 45 games in a season uh, just to, just to get promoted to then have it where, you know, in a year the world returns more to normal and Liverpool goes out and buys Jadon Sancho and mm-hmm. then your spot is taken in the team. Right. <laughs> whether, yeah. whether you've right. done well or not. So, so I think, uh, I, w- I would say, I think particularly given some of the experiences of VRL players who have gone elsewhere, um, grass is just not always greener. So I, I do think it has to be the right fit. I'm interested actually to see, given that the overhaul of Barcelona is coming sooner than later, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would seem like there's got to be some possibilities for them domestically to be looking to, you know, buy some of the, you know, like what they used to do to Sevilla, say. Yeah. Or kind of yeah. Sevilla's best player every year or two would end up there. Yeah. You know, yeah. does Barcelona all of a sudden not paying Messi's salary and offloading some of the dead weight that they have? decide and just go you know we're gonna buy up five or six young players in spain because we got the money yeah yeah Um, that's 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 possibility i suppose yeah it's a tough one for him because it feels in some ways as though we are the last i mean we're we're basically and, and part of it is the effect of covid and on club finances and everything too but it sort of feels like he's been sort of in suspended animation for the last year or so. Um, because I think you could make the same, he, he clearly had an important role to play in the, in the season where we struggled um, under Keha and other, and uh, Plaza and then Keha came back. I, I thought that Samu was really important in, in those late matches in that season that helped, keep us up and get us into out of trouble. But I felt like last year was a bit of a regression and I, and it may just be that it's a question of how to use him best. Um, and, and does he really fit the, fit the club as we, as we have it? I guess the, the question is also that uh, 
we've essentially tied ourselves to Emory for, you know, more than just a year or two. We've, we've talked about that. So the question for a player like, like Samu has to be, okay, so do I see that there's a future for me in the system that this coach does? Or if he's going to be here for the next three or four years, is that telling me that I really need to go somewhere else? And, you know, and, and as like you were saying about Maureen, I mean, he, he's a young player still, you know, we, we, we uh, forget how young he is. So I think there's, it's, it's not an easy one. Um, he's looked good at times um, and he's certainly gotten some playing time in the Europa League matches, but he's not getting that much domestically to where he's done that much. Yeah, and and again, I think I think the issue becomes, and again, I do think sort of team fit is important, and then the players you have there. So, you know, if if we had a system and personnel where the fullbacks were less sort of exploratory, mm-hmm. and I think if you're looking at Pedraza, Estupinian, and Mario Pena. Those are those are four players who are relatively keen on getting forward. Mm-hmm. I always still find myself sometimes surprised when I see sort of somebody at the edge of the box on the right-hand side of the pitch or somebody contemplating a shot or something. So much of the time it's Mario mm-hmm. and not the right-sided midfielder. Right. And right. then certainly Pedraza and Stupinian have the pace and ability that they're forward a lot. Mm-hmm. So can you play somebody like Samu who just we know tracking back and, and, and I will say I think a couple of games ago I saw him, you know, hunting somebody down, coming back and, and so I think he's realizing that mm-hmm. sort of he didn't have a choice if he wants to stay on the pitch. Um but it's hard to play two players like that together. Yes. And, you know, you you recall we had these times when we would even play a fullback in front of a fullback mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To, to try and compensate sometimes for the fact our fullbacks tend to range forward. To range, yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think we've gone over a few times some of the goals scored early this year um, were because our fullbacks were just all over the place. Um, right between Mario and Pedraza. So in the system we have with the personnel we have, it's hard to maximize his abilities, which are kind of, you have somebody who's a stay at home player behind him and he can take off and go try and hit teams on the counter. And, and, and I also find that it's the nature of the strikers we have are not it's not anymore a bakambu where you sort of, or, or even a tokoikambi where you put the ball in space and he can win that one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so if Samu is just able to get up the field and play somebody through, that can actually create a chance. Well, no, it's more likely that Paco is going to get the ball, try and hold it up, you know, look to link with Gerard mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sort of make a more collaborative play. So right. Sambu's sort of quick turn of pace, really, if he's creating a chance, is probably for himself. Yes, I I think it's it would have been interesting if Samu had come up 
Um, if he had come up several years before and played in Marcelino's counterattacking system, exactly that would have exactly. been that would have you been know, really I mean, interesting. You could have seen him doing what Cherishev did yes. when he played with Vieto. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that's right. Um, let's take a brief break, and then I want to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, any potential in January and talk about Kubo as well. So let's, let's do that. Be right back. Okay. So we, we talked a little bit about, about um, where COVID has, has finances and people, but um, certainly I think the, uh, um, the big news over the last, I would say international break apart from Spain just waxing Germany the other day, is the emergence of Pau Torres is pretty much, it seems to me, a preferred starter for Spain, and uh, which immediately, on the one hand, all very all uh, fans' chests swell with pride, and on the next, we're thinking, oh my God, what's his release clause? Um, any possibility that somebody comes in and pays whatever it is, $65 million for him, do you think? in this environment yeah i'd find it hard um again to me the most likely place he would have gone is domestically and given that barcelona and real madrid don't appear to have the cash to do that or if they do they don't appear to want to use the cash to Mm -hmm. do that Mm mm-hmm I think the odds are low. Um, That said, Atletico is sitting on a whole pile of money now, having sold Thomas Party. Um, You know, I I don't see that to be their biggest need. But if you are them, if you have the money or the ability to make the finances work, Mm -hmm. you have to look at the season and say... You know, this is probably one of our best chances to win the league. Right. It's probably actually a better chance on paper than the time they actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if, yeah, if yeah. you viewed that as sort of the piece, you know, to to get back the sort of Godin Jimenez sort of, you know, the fact that their teams were built from the middle on up, then, you know, maybe I could see that. I think it's also interesting and, and we can get into this when talking about the upcoming games, but of course Ramos got hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, Real Madrid for a long time has always been the, the basis of La Roja. And if you're looking at that and looking at Ramos's replacement long-term, yeah, I think there mm-hmm. has to be some to be some, some intrigue there. there in in looking at that. Right. But again, they didn't spend a dime. Right. So right, right. for them to go out and spend all of that money in January would uh, would would be interesting. Well, it was interesting too. I I don't know if you saw the um, reports on the what the salary um, cap for each team compared to last year. And it was interesting. I think Madrid, Barcelona's came down quite a bit, 
Um, Madrid's was relatively constant. I think Atleti's was fairly um, high as well. Um, Virial and uh, Real Sociedad went up. Of course, Valencia took a huge hit. I mean, when you looked at the change year to year, you could see exactly what was going on with with uh, Valencia. I think their cap went from like 170 million to 100 million, and ours went from 100 to 140. So, you know, I don't. I'd be surprised. I mean, I think, I think Powell certainly. I mean, he's a huge, huge talent, no doubt. Um, I'd be surprised if he won anywhere in January. But I bet you, if uh, especially if in the summer we're looking at a different environment than we are now, where we're talking about fans in the stadiums again in the fall um, and different. Uh, situations for how teams can project money, um, he's going to be in demand because you just aren't that many center backs of that quality that young. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The other, uh, I'm not going to talk about Coquelin too much because he's been injured too, other than, you know, I think we've all been sort of disappointed in him so far, but that may just take time to fit in. The other, the other guy that I'm kind of interested in your thoughts about um, is uh, Kubo, because we know Madrid has kind of been behind a sort of campaign to, you know, get him to play more. And, you know, the, the Madridistas are always complaining when they don't see him starting and everything. But what's your, what's your take on him so far? Yeah, you know, it's it's not too dissimilar from Samu. I think maybe he's he may be a little bit more well-rounded of a player. Um, but it's very challenging to mm-hmm. and and I think, you know, when Madrid is looking back on this, I think they might have said maybe we should have sent him on a 2-year loan with the option to bring him back after the one year like they did with Odegaard. Yeah. Because yeah. just sort of to bring somebody in, and again, maybe they thought, uh, uh, to be honest, the answer may be they thought that a lot of the work was done when he was at Mallorca mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of him integrating. But sort of relatively speaking, to bring in a sort of big name talent and really want him to sort of be a focal point of your team, I think requires a little bit more commitment than a, I know this guy isn't going to be here next year. So if he comes in and he fits and sort of is important to the team immediately, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're already looking at it. You're saying, okay, a quarter of the season's over. If we sort of don't get him going in the next 10 games, we're already on the back nine of his use to us. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe somebody gets hurt and he has to step in. But maybe, you know, I actually want to be investing in somebody who's going to be around. Um, And again, maybe the expectation was he'd just sort of come in the door and, and be ready to go. Um, and and be an important part of the team, yeah. but again, I think structurally, playing Gerard and Alcacer together makes it a little bit more difficult for him to kind of find that role 
to I mean to me sort of him sitting as kind of a false nine would be perhaps where he where he would fit in best to the system mm-hmm. and the ability for him to do that is almost entirely de- dependent on somebody getting injured right right i think i think it's also one of those things where when i i'm trying to remember now maybe you will remember better than I, but I'm trying to remember where he was signed in the summer in terms of who else we had at that point and everything. And obviously we had Gerard and Paco, but I really, one of the things when you sign guys on, on loan in the summer is that you, you're still building your team and sometimes things happen where you get a player later Um and suddenly the, the 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 loan doesn't look so important anymore. Um, it's it's interesting because I think some of us felt when it happened that it was we're not used to being a club that pays big money for a loanee who we then don't have any purchase option for. And and I think you're right that I, I my feeling is. I think it's he's going to get a ton of playing time in the in the Europa League and and in the Copa hopefully, but I yeah unless we unless we just have a lot of um, fixtures pile up or we need to make a lot of rotations or somebody gets injured, the fact that we're playing both Gerard and Paco make it hard for him, and I and I also think we have again it's like the emergence of of a player like Moy. Again, that makes it hard. Are you gonna Are you gonna sit the guy who's your guy in favor of, um, in favor of a loanee? He's he's mm-hmm. very he's very talented. He's also very young and not particularly big. He gets knocked off the ball a lot, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and that's an issue for me. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then again, I think a year or two in a system. And he's a little bit different, and he's yeah. a little bit better known, and and uh, you know all those all those different things um, that you just don't typically see in a loanee. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's an interesting one on sort of why we took him, and I'm sure that the Madrid group is going to think about it again, but I certainly think that some portion of this is we, uh, we, we, I think had, had seen, for example, what happens when, um, Odegaard goes to La Real Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, Sevilla is bringing in some big loanies as well. Uh, trying to, yeah, place off the top of my head. Oh, Regulon, I guess, Regulon, went there yeah. this year. But mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying to think last year, Vallejo or somebody who I'm trying to think of now who is escaping me, but was was a, a regular starter for them um, mm-hmm. who, who had come on loan, that some of this is just we we know he wasn't going to England <laughs> if right. he didn't go. He was going to a direct rival and you look at him and, you know, I think of him at Sevilla and I don't 
I don't like him being there. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like they have the ability sort of that they, they have been able to really make good use of these kinds of loans. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Let's so, again, get, so maybe we don't get the full use out of him, but they don't get any use out of him. Right. Yeah. Let's not get, Mon- let's not let Monchi get a hold of him. <laughs> Bad yeah, things happen. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 So, so, okay. So we got, so far, we've we've done pretty well, as we said. We got two matches coming up against, well, one against Madrid, who you know you figure is a top three team anyway, and the other against Real against La Real, who we would figure would be a sort of a direct rival for fourth mm-hmm. place or Europa League anyway, and they're certainly off to a good start. So, how do you? What do you hope we get from this, and how do you see these turning out? Yep, and in between we have the the match in Tel Aviv, which I know you guys had discussed. Maybe mm-hmm. some of the some of the some of the, yeah. some of the first team players don't travel or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though, though that one is is important to an extent because if you are able to say win it, you have or or even really get a point out of it. You basically point one. Point you should have you first. should have clinched advancing, but you should almost have clinched also winning the group. Right. Um, right. Which will be important because then the Copa del Rey also starts. Um, so again, just being able to to rotate, and as Zach has noted, you know it it is an older squad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we made a couple of younger buys, but generally speaking. You know, yeah, we not having 30, the fixture 30, compression yeah, of yeah. all the matches being of equal importance, um, mm-hmm. I think is also a value. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the La Real match is an important one to, uh, you know, that that's a match you want to go and win and, and make a statement to a direct rival. Looks like we will also play Sevilla before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think that's that's right after Christmas, um, and and so you know we're sort of getting to that um, time of the year and, and part of the season where you're already starting to look at uh, who's who's up and down. Mm-hmm. I know you guys talked a little bit about it, um, but as I had mentioned to you at the beginning of the season, not surprised to see Granada doing well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and. The, the one team you all mentioned, Athletic, struggling. Uh, I know Zach had said he had expected more. I think uh, you and I had, had spoken. We sort of feel like some of that some of that team has, has gotten a little stayed. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. they don't have the ability to mix it up uh, right. in the same way others do. But, but the one I was going to mention I was surprised about is Levante. And, and yeah, mostly I know. struggling, and yeah. and unfortunately, I think Paco Lopez is certainly on the hot seat now because um, right. I I don't I don't think they would have imagined that they they would be sitting in the bottom three at this point. No, I agree with you, and I think he's he's done a really uh, he's done a really good job there. Um, it it just seems though that he's sort of been in the same situation year after year, where it's like okay. I need to motivate these guys to get them to finish comfortably mid table, but we never really move beyond that. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and this year it just doesn't seem 
they've got some excellent players, um, it, but they just don't seem to be getting the results. And I, I think it's tough. Um, it's tough. And they've also, you know, recently redone their, I guess they're moving back to their stadium after playing a couple of home <laughs> matches at, at our place. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it is something that uh, they've been disappointing. Uh, most of the other teams down toward the bottom, I think, are the ones that we would have thought would be there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they've. But you're right; they've been a little. Elche has done surprisingly well. Well, so they far. they did sign a bunch of loanies and everything after we talked. I mean, I know when we had talked in the, in the preseason, they were they had just gotten promoted and they were had a very small squad, but they've they've fleshed it out pretty well, and I think they you know they they seem to be able to, to do well enough that um, I think they probably can find three teams that are worse than they are and, and stay up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. Caddies, I think, are benefiting from they, – they strike me as one of the – there's usually a, a – well, They have they have uh, eight goals and four wins in nine games. Right. So that is, right. that is not likely to hold up. Yeah, I was going to say they remind me of Alaves, who, when they came up, initially had some success the first half of that season with um, playing very uh, conservatively and not giving up many goals and not scoring many. But over the course of the season, that gets harder to maintain. And so, you know, I'm not expecting them to go down necessarily, but I think they'll drop down the table. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, Celta are continually a mystery to me, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. they're now on another coach. Um, I just I just continue to be bemused by how a roster that looks pretty good six goals in nine games. Yeah, from, it's like you know that abundance of, of attacking, attacking talent. talent. It's like fill, you know fill two. Two uh, two sets of front four pretty comfortably with, and who knows what has happened to Denny Suarez? Um, yeah, seems to be kind of a, a a non a non factor in things now. Yeah, so. I yeah I'm just amazed at at their struggles, um, and Valencia. I think I mean I I don't think they're gonna. I think they'll end up doing okay i i have been surprised though at at some of their um results so far um but you know i think they're i think they'll they'll be okay it's um i would say it's the um, i'd still say they'll they'll be they'll be within shouting distance of the europa league yeah i think i think they'll get i think they'll get okay by the end of the year um I think, and, and I don't know if you were aware of Yunus Musa, who is U.S. eligible. Yes, um, yes. who has been playing for them. Playing for them, uh, and... who is all of a precious seventeen years old, mm-hmm. um, and uh, scoring goals in La Liga. So. Yeah, he looks about fifteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's mm-hmm. not quite right. Yeah, but but you know what I mean. He he, it's, it it is exciting to to see to see him. Um, there the teams i would be worried about i think are the are the um 
as we said, I mean, Alaves, um, Abar, uh, Valladolid, Huesca, you know, those, those guys are all looking. It's hard to tell which, which will go down because nobody looks absolutely much more terrible than everybody else, but none mm-hmm. of them look really good either. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, huh. I, uh, I'm, I'm personally worried about Valladolid. I, as I, I think I said in, in our podcast before the season started, I just, I, I, they lost some decent players that were key to them and haven't done much else. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting season. The, the fact that Barcelona um, are going through off-field stuff as well as having financial issues, um, I think that's that maybe opens the door a little bit. I don't know. I just wonder how much longer they can rely on Messi. Yeah, or <laughs> depending on what you're seeing recently, not, you know, not even, not, not in all cases, not in El Clasico. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's come on and made an impact, but I think you definitely say his impact isn't, isn't seemingly what, what it always has been. And, and to me, I wonder more about motivation than I do about sort of has time fully passed him by. Um, yeah, I, I, so it's yeah. it's interesting to see where they get. Again, I think we talked about if in January, February, you know, La Liga doesn't look likely, Champions League, you know, maybe maybe somehow they manage to get knocked out in the round of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what what are they doing the rest of that season, knowing that uh, you know pretty strong odds he's not coming back yeah um yeah. And, and you know some somebody had had mentioned that you know in in a way and of course you know we were talking at the beginning about how they might be able to invest domestically but in a way sort of this was the worst of both worlds in a sense uh for them because they sort of had to hitch their wagon to, okay, he's here for one more year and we Mm -hmm. need to try and make the most of it. And at the same time, kind of needing, therefore not to go into the full development mode. Right. Right. They're going to look next year and find essentially the players they were trying to bring forward are in the same place they were a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And again, just the 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 way that they've structured purchases and contracts and things, you know, bringing Coutinho back, who is <laughs> sitting there not really knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They have Dembele, which they who they spent this huge ton of money on, but he doesn't seem to be sort of key to long term plans. Right. Uh, it was just, you know, some of it building for the future, some of it looking for now. Messi leaving, coming back in between. Um, I, I know other folks on the pod are not highly sympathetic, and then <laughs> I don't know how much sympathy they deserve. But um, 
I, I feel bad for Messi in a way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you know, they just, yeah. N- n- none of it seems to have been done in any in any logical manner. Right. I mean, I I I do. I would agree with that. That it just it seems as though you've got a you've got an incredible player who you've sort of managed to waste some really good years of his by not developing the team around him in the way that you could have. And I, I just keep going back to the, um, to the team that they had with Puyol and, and Iniesta and Xavi and everything. And just, it's like, I don't, admittedly those guys were incredible talents, but the buying since then has just been pretty slapdash, I think. And, um, just hasn't hasn't really worked out, and then the and then the whole um, managerial situation, the whole front office situation, and everything has, has just been um, been difficult for them. And that's in some ways, I think that's what what happens when you expect to win every year. I think they have a very demanding uh, fan base and a very demanding um, uh, group of of uh, the socios, and and sometimes trying to catch the lightning in a bottle every year just isn't the best long-term plan in in my opinion but mm-hmm, you know. mm-hmm. and i and i think interestingly teams where you really would have said that like city and real madrid i think have learned that a little bit more structure and stability mm-hmm. actually is a draw in and of itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um yeah. the yeah. fact I mean, frankly, to me, the fact that Real Madrid could go an off season without buying someone shows something in and of itself. <laughs> Meaning, right. it it would you know the the four months in the media would have been okay, sixty million on this left back or seventy five million on this attacking player. Which is it going to be? Can we do both? And I'm sure I didn't didn't pick up the press in the off season to uh, to read what must have been discussed, but there there wasn't a need, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that you know I think again speaks to having a coach who is able to navigate. Okay, this is kind of my squad, and I know I've got to deal with Marcelo, and that's a deficiency, mm-hmm. but. I can make do with what I have and, right. you know, right. I'll bring Odegaard back on, you know, from, from his loan and he doesn't have to come in and be the savior all of a sudden. Right. Um, right. And again, you know, I think look at what has been done with Isco, which I think was, you know, everybody concluded, oh man, done, you know, finished, send him off. There's no use for him as, you know, shown to continue to be a very good player mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just given a little bit more confidence in a role and, and what have you so interesting it almost feels like some of that has has turned in city with their kind of you know every year bringing in a new manager um, and the only thing that we care about is the Champions League so we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about winning the league. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you win the league, and it actually is a good recruiting tool to make players want to come and join you. Um, right. And right. they like the fact that the manager is not changing every year. 
So. Yeah, I mean that's that's right. When we were talking about uh, about Samu earlier, I was thinking, well, you know, one thing if you actually signed with Liverpool and you remained on their squad as opposed to being sent off, sent out somewhere, is that you know you you know you've got managerial stability there too, um, which is a mm-hmm. which is a really good thing. Um, okay, so any prediction for the weekend? Are you? I mean, we did so badly. Um, the those of us that got all excited about how we were going to beat Barcelona, so that didn't work so well. What do you th- What do you think about Madrid? I mean, I I think it's very difficult with the international break on both sides, both in terms of injuries, more on the Madrid side, but just in planning for us. So I don't know what you think about it. Mm-hmm. I will I will go with four points from the week. So I think we will, with Ramos being gone, I think that is an issue for Madrid. Um, mm-hmm. I presume he doesn't play. I suppose that that's not, uh, I'm not sure if that's for certain. Um, but you would think that would, that would be a risk of uh, mm-hmm. him having mm-hmm. gone off just a few days ago. Um, and then I think we will, we will beat Sociedad. I'm, I'm still a bit more concerned. Um, sort of looking at the schedule ahead about can we can we go and make sure we beat Elche? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But like you have said, we have always played Sociedad well. Uh, I think this will be an interesting test, though. Yeah. Uh, I think Silva gives them a different presence in big games. I've always felt they struggled a little bit to live up to expectations when... It was really a big moment for them. Yes, um, I agree with that. And I think having his experience will will be something different. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm not I'm not sure if we carry over our prior success. I wouldn't be shocked if they beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But based on the historical precedent, I'll go with I'll go with four points. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good to me. I, I'd be happy with four points. Well, yep. we'll see. We'll see how it all how it all turned out. Um, Next week and uh, how how we did, um, we'll, see, we'll at least see how the Madrid match turned out. Um, okay, so tempered optimism, as I said about the last podcast. So sounds good for for Sid. This is Alan saying, "End of very out." Okay, perfect. Let me stop recording. Okay.